Hello there. Welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I am Benjamin Light. And this is Marco Sparks. And today we're talking about S4E17, Bite Your Tongue. Bite Your Tongue. This episode was written by... Let me get this right so I don't get them backwards here. <laughs> Oliver Goldstick and Maya Goldsmith. So, and, Maya Goldstick and Oliver Goldsmith? Yes. Directed by Arlene Sanford. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love this episode. This is a real fucking winner. It's got a lot of interesting stuff in it. Kind of new narrative tricks, uh, some really fucked up bass shit going on. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun. Oh, yeah, and Arya has a sizable chunk of screen time, so you know you're in the in for a del- some delicious madness, especially after watching her and Ezra feeding each other that disgusting dessert. Oh, should we? Should we? And then uh, having sex our, on the body of a hobo. Yeah, one of our commenters on our website page, friend of the show, Amanda, had a great description of that cake scene. Should I just read that now? Please. I was going to do it at the end, but since you brought that up, might as well do this. So this is uh, basically like the the perfect description of, of what was going on with them eating cake. Uh, she writes, "We get Arya and Ezra eating a brownie in the most revolting way imaginable, mm-hmm. interspersed with karate bro Jake angry training." And then, surprise, his punching bag is full of every knife in Rosewood. And here's Arya and Ezra again. And it just got even grosser. How is that even possible? Like, I kind of want to just watch it on a loop. But I also can't look directly at the television while it's on. It's like looking into the Ark of the Covenant. I half expect my face to just melt off from the insane, disgusting brilliance of it all. Well said. Well said, indeed. Uh, speaking of things being said, uh, we've been threatening for a while. The PLL roundtable between ourselves, uh, Heather Hogan and Jacob Clifton. Should be this weekend. Knock on wood. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. We should be live and ready for your enjoyment pre-fan special, which I love the title of that fan special. It will definitely not be live. No, no, no. It'll be before that. But, I mean, <laughs> somewhere after we record it, do it, it'll be available for your perusal prior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that thing is like Tuesday, right? The PLL fan special? We love you to death, which is a mm-hmm. great menacing title. Um, So... Let's get into this episode. We have a lot of cover here. Indeed. So we open up um, with night. It's Emily and Arya are getting out of uh, the car outside of Arya's house. They went to the movies together. Um, Arya missed half the movie because the guy in front of them kept making sales calls. And Emily's like, sales calls? I thought he was breaking up with somebody. And Arya says, he was. His car. I swear, if Spencer was there, she would have pegged him with one of her jelly beans. Emily makes a straight up, like, ugh, that bitch face. Oh, I like how we get, like, a... Spencer character moment just when she's not even in the scene because that's totally something Spencer would do. It's like throw jelly beans at someone. Mm-hmm. Um, also, can we just point out that Emily's wearing like uh, the Flash shirt? Oh, is she cool? Or something? I mean, she has like a red. She has a jacket on, but underneath it, it's like a red shirt with an like orangish yellow lightning bolt on it. Perfect. It it's somehow perfect for Emily. Yeah, Emily is the reverse Flash, maybe. Um. Yeah. So, you know, Ari apologized for dropping the Spencer reference, but she's, you know, sorry she's not sorry, because that's how every apology goes. Mm-hmm. Um, she tells him that she can't hold on to this, because Spencer was just trying to protect her. And Emily says, well, no, Spencer's trying to control the situation, like she always does. Magnificently. Arya should just be like, that's what she does, Emily. <laughs> you know yeah. this. Also, Arya's got some flair on her lapel. Yeah, Arya's got... Some sort of light blue jacket over like a black and white checked top and I don't know, jeans or something. Do you notice how many, there's a shitload of cars 
yeah. parked on the street right now. Another one even drives by, which I always think is interesting from a blocking standpoint that they actually had a car drive by right after they walked across the street. Yeah, it's. I was confused that this was actually her her house. I don't think we've ever really seen like the outside of her house like this before. Yeah, and we'll find out why. As Arya is saying, Emily, look, uh, she thought you were making a mistake, she being Spencer, and Emily says, I did, by trusting her. Ari says, M. And Emily says, no, I was this close to finding out from Allison what happened the night she disappeared. Now we'll never hear from her again. Drama. Yeah, Arya's about to say something very profound, but then they hear noises from within the house. The sounds of a party, possibly. Arya's never heard the sounds of merriment from her own house, so she storms Mm-mm. in to find that Mr. Mikey Montgomery's having a party. Yeah, this is a bitchin' teenage party going on. There's, like, dudes playing video games. Mm-hmm. Enough girls, so it's not, like, a total sausage fest. Right. Uh, uh, there's there's some pizza. There's loud music. There's, like, dudes pumping fists. There's an iPod on a dock of a speaker? Fuck yeah. It's an iPhone, but yeah. Whatever. It's a party. Mm-hmm. Um, Mikey Montgomery, he's got, like, the... Uh, he's, like, going for a little, like, mini Jason De Laurentiis with that haircut. Like, the short-haired Jason. Yeah. You feel that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, a, little, a little wavy over to the side. Spoiler, there'll be a period of time where every guy on the show, except for Ezra, has that haircut. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's got, like, the, the denim shirt, sleeves rolled up. He's a, he's a party bro here. He's had a serious bro makeover. A bro-over, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. But but then, Captain Buzz Killington yeah. storms in. Mike, what the hell is this? Yeah. Mike, uh, he says, hey, chill. Like, Dad said I could have a few friends over. And Arya's like, this is not a few friends. And while Dad is away, she doesn't want to be peeling pepperoni off the walls. Arya well, she, sounds like such a nerd. She yanks his, the iPhone out of the speaker dock to kill the music. Mm-hmm. Which, like, it, it would have been great if, like, he had he was using AirPlay or something and it just kept playing. And Arya, <laughs> like, struggled to turn it off. I wish that it was, like, some kind of hip-hop song, which actually had, like, uh, like record scratches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and then Arya, this line, she says, no, I'm not chilling. Dad left me in charge for the weekend, and I don't want to spend the next two days peeling pepperoni off the walls. Like, her, her southern accent really comes out when she delivers that. Yeah, Emily actually sees a couple who are there making out on top of Byron's desk. Yeah, Lieutenant Commander Killjoy over yeah. here. She's just, like, staring at these people making out on Byron's desk, and she's like, um, hello, this is somebody's desk. So the only, per- <laughs> the only person nerdier than Ari at this party is Emily. <laughs> and that dude and that chick are just like, like ignore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're I mean, they're like one rubber away from from doing something yeah, you only see in after school. Special. They they look not far from penetration, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're, there's a little bit of dry hump. There's an element of dry hump on this ABC Family mm-hmm. show. Um, so her legs kind of- are like spread wide. Yeah, yeah. Good times. Nice. Emily's having none of that. They're both moist. Yeah, uh, Arya's like grabbing pizza boxes, and Mike is like, hey, people are still eating. Well, she grabs him right out of some chick's hand who is like right next to uh, Mikey there. When you come to like Michelangelo's Pizzeria here, you're at least guaranteed to finish your meal. By the um, way, it's interesting that you said that. I don't know if you knew this or not, but it, it, apparently his full name, at least from the books, is Michelangelo. I did know that. You did know that. Okay. Um, so Arya's now our crazy- podcast listeners know that in case they didn't. And you're welcome. Uh, Arya's crazy eyes then say, so tell them it's takeout. <laughs> I'm going upstairs. You got 10 minutes to clear this place out. All right. Come on, Em. And Mikey's just thinking like, my fucking sister. <laughs> well, like, I wanted to like, look around more and just be like, uh, 
uh, like do that, like the uh, the collar tug, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so meanwhile, it's Spencer's bedroom. She's on her bed on her laptop. She's got her phone out. We see that she's trying to transcribe the stories from the pictures she took of Allison's diary. She's working on a particular story called Love and Death. So there's only one person you can call when you need help with these things. Hannah. Yeah, she's like trying to zoom in, but it's like blurry and she can't really make it out. So calls Hannah. Cut to Hannah. Hannah is like sitting up in her bed reading a James Patterson novel along came a spider this is, with a box of graham crackers next to her as she's snacking on one. This is one of my favorite visuals from the mm-hmm. entire show ever. Seriously. Even though I fucking hate James Patterson for a reason. Like, yeah. I can start a whole podcast that I, I fucking hate James Patterson. But also, the week that this aired, I believe that the episode of Ravenswood that was airing wasn't called Along Came a Spider too, right? Yeah, that's the connection there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, just the visual of her, like, one hand with a cracked paperback, the other hand with a graham cracker. She's still slightly glammed up, even though she's in PJs, and she's just, you know, chewing away, reading. Like, it's hilarious. I love this version of Hannah. Well, this is, this is like, uh, film noir, like, like, lady sidekick Hannah. Like, that's, that's well, this is, this the is, thing about this hair. In 20 years, this is Hannah, you know? Yeah, except this maybe. what she does, and she doesn't care. Wine. Uh, so Spencer calls and says, hey, in Allie's story about dating an older guy, are they talking about novels and travel or novels and gravel? Shovels which, and gravel. Oh, still, LOL. Yeah. And Hannah's just like, uh-huh. Uh, she's not really paying attention. She's reading. Spencer says, I'm trying to piece this together. Her handwriting is so sloppy. It's like doing Mad Libs in reverse. But Allie on a date with a mystery dude, it seems kind of important. And Hannah says, well, the mystery dude we should be focusing on is Patterson. And Spencer's like, Patterson? Isn't that the kid in world history is always sniffing his fingers? <laughs> yeah. No, James Patterson, the author. This guy just gets the criminal mind. Oh, well. And Spencer says, okay, first of all, when were you interested in anyone born before 1989? Mm-hmm. And Hannah says, think about it. The person who tried to kill Allison dumped some random in a hole and tried to make it look like Allie. Spencer's like, yeah, you know, maybe we shouldn't refer to this dead girl as a random. <laughs> and Han says, look, if we follow the trail of A's cover-up, it could lead us right back to A. Spencer, this guy's a genius. It's the third book of his I read this week. And Spencer, very rudely, says, is Travis reading them to you? Oh, it's so sharp. So oh, you're so mean. Yeah. And Hannah, just like, she just like shrugs it right off. She says, no, I'm not seeing him anymore. I decided not to rush into anything. Spencer's like, wait, so you stayed at home and read a book instead of going to that chick flick with Ari and Emily? Uh, it's like she's like condescending and yet proud of Emily or at, proud of Hannah at the same time. I was just wondering, is this chick flick actually insidious too? I hear it's very insidious. Since uh, you know, Jake's been dropped. Jake's limping along to his own, it, into it loneliness. Probably like Rochelle Rochelle. A young girl's erotic journey from Milan to Minsk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, Emily thing. I think Arya probably would be too. Um, well, Hannah's like, well, I wasn't. Arya would have no idea what was going on the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Well, because Arya thought they were going to go see Channel. (laughs) And Hannah says, you know, well, I wasn't invited. Spencer's like, why? And Hannah says, because Emily is so pissed at you that she's pissed at me for not being pissed at you. Which is a line that is ridiculous, but it's like, it's like that's where Ashley Benson excels. Mm -hmm. She sells those lines so hard. Uh, so Spencer's like, hmm. Meanwhile, at Arya's house upstairs, Emily and Arya come upstairs. You know, Emily asked where Byron is anyway. Arya says he's teaching in Syracuse. And Arya says, you know, I swear that next time he's out of town, I am so staying at your place. And I thought to myself, has Arya ever stayed at Emily's? 
Mm, I don't know. That's a good question. I'd have to consult my research. In my but archives. more to the point, then they see the lady in red herself, Mona Vanderwall, is upstairs. The best way I can describe Mona is that she's dressed exactly like Arya would dress if Arya were trying to dress fancy. I feel that. In fact, I, I'm going to posit a theory that there's a whole weird thing going on in this episode where Mona's becoming Arya and vice oh. versa. Oh, yeah. Because she's got, she has a very nice sleeveless red dress on, form fitting, looks great, mm. with a black belt. Uh, one of those necklaces that's just like these weird spikes, it's the kind of thing Arya would wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, big earrings, and even her hair is kind of like Arya's. Like she looks, she looks great. And she says, Oh, hello there. And Arya's just like, What are you doing here? And Mona says, Using the restroom facilities. And Arya says, I don't have a toilet in my bedroom, Mona. What are you doing in my house? Well, Mona can't believe the rudeness. She says that she was invited here by Mike. Arya is so shocked. There's no words. So just imagine that. And Mike says, Mike invited you here? Why? And Mona says, this may come as a shock to you, Emily, but some people don't tuck and roll every time I walk into a room. <laughs> Ari and Emily are both just like, their brains can't process that. They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, well, Mona makes some adorably sinister small, ta- small talk. And she says, love your wallpaper, by the way. It's so you. Which, <laughs> is that a diss? Feels like, like, a, like a very warm so. Oh, and then she very pointedly zips shut her purse. Yeah. Like, like, as if to, I feel like she's just like making Arya, like she's tweaking her, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, she's just fucking up her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she like walks if, off. If Arya as, grabs that purse and rips it open, it'll just be like a tampon or something. Mm-hmm. She she walks off as Arya and Emily just like stand there, like bewildered mm-hmm. by Mona's awesomeness. Yeah, but I mean, just imagine Arya speechless. This is the point where I would go full on like Gene Hackman at the end of the conversation and just start tearing apart floorboards <laughs> and even that wallpaper that is so Arya. That's so Arya. Um, so after the credits, when the next day, it's Arya's in her room. Uh, Mike walks past the doorway down the hallway. Arya calls after him, asks him to come into the room for a second. She does this like she's a teacher. And very much a mom, yeah. The, the... Um, also, Arya's wearing a dress that has a pattern that you might see like on a rug. Um, yeah, that is an ugly like blue and white and black dress with all these angular patterns on it. Well, to me though, especially with that collar, that weird collar on it, like this seems like it's like more of a Hannah dress. Steel collar, yeah. Well, it looks like it's like a Hannah dress. Like maybe Arya grabbed it from Hannah's clothes before they went off to Goodwill. Could it be a Mona dress? Whoa! So Can you just picture uh, uh, Lucy Hale and uh, Janelle Parrish in a remake of Face Off. I want to take her face off. Uh, yeah, so Mike gets his ass caught on the carpet, and he says, look, I promise I'm not trying to be a hard ass, okay? And Arya says, we just haven't really had time to talk about last night. And he's like, I'll finish, I'll, I'll, I'll finish cleaning after school. And Arya says, wait, what's the deal with Mona? Mm-hmm. And Mike says, uh, we met it in a group at school. We have a lot of friends in common. Arya's just appraising this information, like inspecting its value. She asked mm-hmm. what group. Mike says it's a discussion group in the counseling center, and they meet up after school and talk about stuff. Arya cannot even contemplate the words coming out of his mouth. She's just shocked that Mikey has things to say, let alone anyone but her. And Arya's like, like what? Terror tactics? <laughs> and she says, Mr. Fazelli knows Mona's past. And Mike lets us know Fazelli retired. There's a new counselor. He's actually cool. Arya is not cool with him cozying up someone who spent junior year torturing Arya. And she says, I mean, seriously, was Mona here to poop or snoop? The greatest line that Lucy Hale will ever deliver in her life. 
Oh, there's a better one coming this episode. Sure is. I mean, I mean, still, Shakespeare's got to be so fucking jealous of this dialogue, and lucky he's dead. And like, um, just basically like, ah, fuck this, <laughs> turns walk away. Yeah, but Arya's not finished though. She's like, Mona's a very dangerous person, Mike. She wasn't sent to Radley for spa treatment. And Mike asks if Arya's finished. And he's I like, are you say, finished? I want her to be like, obviously, I am not. Like, <laughs> I sp- I stayed up all night writing down some sick burns in my burn book. My wait till I get book. going. Yeah, where was I? Yeah, Arya's like, Mona broke up our parents, all right? She's the one who wrote to Mom about Dad and Meredith. And Mike says, parents broke themselves up. Maybe it's time you let go of that and stop judging. Can't stop going He says, what? How am I? And Mike says, people make mistakes, okay? Done a lot of crap that I'm not real proud of myself. I'm sure someone's standing right now in another bedroom talking smack about me. You wish, Mike. <laughs> and Arya says, that's no comparison. Mona just tried to destroy our family. And Mike says, if you've forgiven Dad, why can't you forgive the messenger? Arya's face. Arya, she gets this like big fluttery eyes, like she's thinking of crying, but clearly not because of emotions, but just she wants like control of the situation. Back. Like cut to the other bedroom where like the chick who's like trying to turn Paige's grandmother's whatever into a bong is like talking to the the chick who usurped like some role in sixth grade from Hannah. I believe it was Heather Perez, and they're just and like Jeanette Wu, Mikey Montgomery, and the other one's like who? And <laughs> scene. Um, so we cut to Emily's bedroom where Emily's getting ready for school. She's like looking in the mirror, putting earrings on, knock on the door. Door opens. It's Wayne Fields. Wayne wanted, just knocks and enters. I wanted to be, he's very weird in this episode. I wanted to be something like the heyday of Seinfeld, like filmed in front of the audience where people just like cheered and clapped as Wayne <laughs> walks in, you know, like he has to like wait a few minutes to deliver his dialogue because I, the audience fan Harris, fan Harris died out. Fan I'm Harris. sure our friend Peanut would, would do that. She loves Wayne Fields. Yeah, she does. Um, so Wayne Fields decided he went and spoke to the mechanic about Emily's car, because of course he did. The mechanic said it probably had a computer glitch, but Wayne drove it home himself, and it's working fine. And Emily's like, you know, well, that's the point. It was working fine that night, then suddenly a GPS had, like, a stroke or something, and the engine stopped. And he says, well, it's probably something remote. You know, somebody probably triggered their anti-theft device remotely, uh, shut it down. And Emily looks, like, super concerned now, even though Wayne just thinks it's, like, no big deal. Mm-hmm. And he says, baby, you're just driving to school. I think if you stay close, it'll be fine. Mm. And he's basically like, no thanks, I'll take my bike. And he's worried he would have taken his furlough sooner. She, he knew she was such a basket case, and she claims she's not. Well, the last time that Wayne Fields had some time off, it was because Child Protective Services were all up in his ass. <laughs> also, is this the same car that she won at Homecoming Dance back in Season 1? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so... Wayne just like, Emmy, a car plowed into the living room, almost killing you and your mom. And the fact that the police don't know who's driving. And Emily's like, it has nothing to do with the accident. And he says, well, something's not right. You're not eating? You're acting jumpy? Emily tries to play it off as senior year. And, you know, just school stuff. And she's like, I'll get through it. And Wayne says, okay, I'd still like to drive to school. He says it's going to rain later. And Emily's like, I'm taking my bike. Nothing. End of story. Yeah. yeah. She walks out, leaving Wayne there, literally holding her car keys. Well, she does this weird thing where it's like a half shrug, half like curtsy as she yeah. leaves it, as he's just holding these keys in his outstretched hand with mm-hmm. this kind of like slightly like bitchy look on his face. Like, mm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cut to that guy from the academic. Exactly. Catalog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it's kind of amazing that they're back in this house in the first place. I believe we were told before that it would be months possibly for the house. Yeah, to I guess it's fixed. They haven't really said. Two weeks later. Um, mm-hmm. So we, from this image of Wayne holding her car keys, we cut to Ezra's classroom where Ezra is handing over another set of keys, this time to Maggie. 
Yeah, and Ezra says, so what exactly is the problem? And Maggie says, the landlord's being a jerk because I broke the lease. He's withholding my deposit to like, give back all the keys. Makes it's sense. like, hey, Maggie, that's not being a jerk. That's being a landlord. That's probably in your lease. That's probably in yeah. your lease when you signed it. Also, that short bob cut, not a good look for Mrs. Cosgrove here. No. I just don't know what's going on here. Like, who's making this choice? That's so Arya. Mm-hmm. Ezra wants to pick up Malcolm early, though. Maggie can nonchalantly says, hey, he's back at home. And he's like, back at home as in Seattle? And she's like, yeah, that's where he lives. Ezra thought that Maggie was bringing Malcolm with her, but she changed her mind. She's just here to deal with the leash, ship back some boxes. Ezra is like, so what are you saying, Maggie? That I'm not going to have a connection with Malcolm unless it's through an attorney? She should just be like, yeah, yeah, because you're not his fucking dad. What don't you understand about that? Yeah. Here to give you the lay of the fucking land. Mm-hmm. Well, you thought you were his dad for, like, what, two weeks? Yeah. Uh, of course, Arya enters just as this uh, is going down. and It's interesting the way Ezra kind of, like, shifts his attitude when he sees her because he, she's walking up behind Maggie. And so he, he kind of like shuts down the argument he's about to have. Mm-hmm. Arya's like, oh, well, you can just come back later. And Maggie says, no, we're done here. I was just leaving. So- well, when Maggie looks back at Arya, she's got to be thinking like, oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Maggie's ready to leave. Uh, Maggie is basically dressed like an adult Arya, right? Uh, not as ridiculous. And there Maybe- isn't like the, the insane, you know, metal accoutrements and whatnot. Not yet. Uh, so as she leaves, Dark Ezra gives Maggie a fairly Dark Ezra look as she heads out. Uh, I couldn't get a gl- full glimpse of Arya's shoes here. She walks up to Ezra's desk, but I assume that they were carved out of an elephant's ivory. Probably. Um, they look like 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 ivory clogs or something. Uh, she apologized for interrupting the two of them, but again, all of her apologies fall under the uh, "sorry, I'm not sorry" block. And Ezra says, "That's okay. That was not going to a good place." <laughs> all right he's like how can she talk to you like that after everything she... and Ezra cuts her off he says flying off the handle isn't going to help anything Arya." uh which is a nice redirection of your frustrations onto your girlfriend mm-hmm. you know like now he's yelling at her mm-hmm. telling her not to fly off the handle when that's what he wants to do mm-hmm. and as says people get what they deserve eventually well two things one that's creepy as shit i'm worried where all the knives and roads are are that how they're going to find mm-hmm. poor magnex too oh yeah it's like like jake is that what you're talking about how dare he suggest to Ari that she shouldn't fly off the handle that's her bread and butter that's her mm-hmm. mana from heaven um so ezra turns his back to her and like looks at the blackboard behind him, aria's face also the quote on the blackboard behind aria is you start a question it's like starting a stone. You sit quietly on top of the hill, and away the stone goes, starting others. And presently, some bland old bird, the last you would have thought of, is knocked on the head in his own back garden, and the family have to change their name. It's from Jekyll and Hyde. That's, that's all secret clues to who A is, I'm sure. The next line in the quote is a little more comfortable, which is not on the board. Is, no, sir, I make it a rule of mine that more the more it looks like Queer Street, the less I ask. The quote basically means that it's not wise to question what goes on in the lives of psychopaths. Unfortunately, this podcast is obsessed with Arya. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so, but this scene is interesting because Arya's brain's like trying to process like what just happened here with Ezra. Mm-hmm. And I think what what's troubling her, at least subconsciously right now, is like she just saw how her boyfriend treats another woman. Oh, yeah. And I it's that's a later. huge dick. Yeah, I have a lot of notes about this later. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to the same outdoor spinner rack at the bookstore. I'm. Dying to know what this bookstore is called. I'm just going to assume for now that it's called Dial B for Books. Didn't we get the name at some point? Uh, I can't if, remember. If somebody knows, I would love to hear it. I know we've 
we've heard that it's the one that Spencer loves. Ella and Arya have gone shopping there. Ezra's gone shopping there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hannah's there looking at one of the books. Uh, it's a book called Secret Revenge by Ivy Dunbar. This is the second Ivy Dunbar book featured in the show. Neither of which is real. Because Ivy Dunbar, Dunbar not real. does yeah. not exist. She's a made-up character from 30-something. Yeah. Uh, and so who should be here but Officer Holbrook in his off-duty clothes. He's walking away from the Mary Higgins Clark and John Grisham spinner because I'm sure he's just read Grisham's quote on how those poor old white guys, you know, mm-hmm. they like to have a few drinks like a kiddie porn. And that's not a big deal. Uh, Hannah's inspecting a Patricia Cornwell book, and Holbrook says, can you do it? That's a keeper. You know, if you like that series... You should really check out some of the Swedish authors. For some reason, they do meatballs and crime novels better than anyone else. It's an almost flawless Sean Ferris impression. Uh, you notice that there's there's many more copies of the Cornell Woolrich book there, even though Ezra obviously did buy one. There's also <laughs> Agatha Christie, Sue Graf, and John Calum, and Marshall Clark. Um, yeah, so Hannah is just like, I hate meatballs, and like puts the book back. Like That's what she thinks about that. Right, he says, I, I really came over to apologize. My job, it isn't easy. But it's especially hard when you realize that you've turned innocent people into collateral damage during an investigation. And Hannah's just like, here's some Hannah face for you. Mm-hmm. And so he says, what I'm trying to say is, I hope that you and your mom are okay. And Hannah says, they're okay. He says, good. And then he points out a book. And he says, here, get this. You won't regret it. The book Hannah- he hands her, sorry, is The Land of Blood and Ice by Werner Jorsten. Also not real. That's a great title for a book, though. Especially for a Swedish crime novel. The Land of Blood and Ice. Mm-hmm. So, does Holbrook just, like, sit in his Rosewood apartment each night, like, reading, like, Wallander novels and eHarmony profiles, like, crying himself to sleep? Well, because he, you know, makes this book suggestion and, and walks off, and Hannah kind of smiles at him, and I don't know, I think she got, she's a little little thrilled there at the Holbrook situation, looks back at him, mm-hmm. and is like, oh, maybe I will get this. What's frustrating is that, so, quick personal side note, I worked in a library for a long, long time, had to deal with a lot of people coming in and telling me that, that shit like uh, Patterson, you know, was real, like, mystery fiction, and it drove me up the wall. Mm. I would at least turn people on to, uh, like, Ann Perry, because at least she actually murdered somebody, and Peter Jackson made a movie out of it. Uh, yeah, so Hannah, Hannah Face, um, after Holbrook walks away, then she gets a text. So we cut to the school hallway. Uh, Emily's at her locker. Hannah comes marching over and says that she just got Emily's text and wants to know about Emily's dad. Yeah, and basically the gist of this is that Emily took what her dad said about the car as that A killed her car in the woods. And like, what's next? And Hannah's like, we really don't know that. We need more proof. And Emily says, do we? Come to the brew later. You can watch A program the cappuccino machine to melt my face off. LOL. That's, that would be amazing if that happened. Yeah, that would be... Uh, except for Emily's face, of course. I mean, imagine the special effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Hannah tries to calm her down. Emily doesn't feel safe in her own home anymore. Hannah reasons that if A did it, then A would have owned up to it by now. And Hannah says, the sociopathic mind feeds on intricate patterns. Which, <laughs> how great would it have been if Arya walked up right now and just been like, what do you think of the pattern on this dress? I kind of mm-hmm. like it, you guys. Or something, I don't know. Uh, Hannah says, please stop reading. Or Emily, or, says, sorry, Emily says, Hannah, please stop reading. Which just, man, they're so discouraging of her broadening her horizons. Yeah, they are. She's like, you're not a detective. Every rock you turn over, it's picked up and hurled at Allison. It's a good line, You can pass that on to Spencer, too. Cunt. Hannah begs Emily to bear the passion of Spencer because Hannah is sick of taking sides. Emily says, no one asked you to. Hannah says that, you know, she's been through this before with her parents, and it sucks and no one wins. So, of course, right then, it's when Spencer walks up. Spencer isn't exactly looking rough. 
but there's no makeup on it. It's not the usual. Well, I mean, glamorous there's makeup endeavor. on to make her look like there's no makeup on, but sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spencer says, hey, and asks Emily if she can say one thing. Emily just, like, shuts her locker and walks away. Yeah. Spencer takes that pretty hard. <laughs> Please, can I just say one thing? Slam. <laughs> and, and it's just like, hmm, well, that didn't go as expected. Yeah. So, so sorry, good. No, it was cut to the courtyard. Yes, Arya's walking through, and she spots Mona and Mike kind of canoodling a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mona is wearing another kind of Arya outfit here with, like, the uh, knee-high black boots and, like, a kind of a short dress with a high-waisted belt. Mm-hmm. And her and Mike are, like, she's doing the thing where she's kind of absentmindedly running her, her fingers over the buttons on his button-up shirt there. Mm-hmm. They're laughing and joking. Open smiles, like flirting. Arya's just like stewing as she watches this. And mm-hmm. Mike kind of runs a hand over Mona's arm, squeezes her hand, and walks off. And Mona looks a little smitten, and then Arya just narrows her eyes. She's going in. She's like, cut the cougar crap and tell me why you're after a 10th grader. <laughs> the best line ever. <laughs> what turns you on? The fact that he shares my DNA or that you have full access to my bedroom? Both? Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Because um, she basically is Hannah. Um, well, Mona's... the Mona dressing as Arya thing just is doubly creepy because now she's in a mic. Yeah. Well, and then Mona is like, oh, Jesse warned me this would happen. And Arya's just like, who the fuck is Jesse? <laughs> the new guidance counselor. That's the best thing that ever happened at this friggin' school since we got a coffee cart. He sees through all the bull and he has a gift for bringing people together who need each other. I mean, better <laughs> than a coffee cart? Wow. And Ari says, oh, so you're going to tell me that Jesse made this little love connection? Mona, when it comes to me and my friends, you always have an agenda. And Mona correctly points out, no, you and your friends are the ones with the agenda. Arya, look. Uh, what did she say? Uh, After I helped Hannah's mom get out of jail, I was burned off like a wart. And Arya's like, mm, that's not exactly what happened. I love Mona's that little... Like, like she's like, there's a lot of words that want to come out of her tiny mouth right then. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not exactly what happened. Mona's like, really? Then tell me what happened. Why was I iced out after the charges were dropped? Why did the inner circle squeeze me out again? Because they're a bunch of bitches, Mona. It was like Mona's just expert at funny adjectives that basically mean exclusion. Mm-hmm. And Arya just has no response to this, and Mona's like, right. Well, I'm tired of being yo-yoed. I'm hanging out with a different crowd now, so suck it up, Arya. Boom. Mm-hmm. That's what she get for not being nice to Mona. Now yeah. she's gonna fuck your brother. Well, the only thing that made that better, other than you know, like Mona running off to fuck Mike right now, is if she just smacked like the binder out of Arya's hand or something. Or she uh, asked, uh, or she asked Arya to smell her finger. Oh. <laughs> uh, I could go even worse, but I won't. All right, so I got to inside. Bells ring in. Spencer's walking to a coffee room. I think this is the first time we've seen the coffee room in the hall here. Yeah. Uh, she's looking at a paper. Uh, hot nerd Andrew is in there occupying the copier. Spencer says, hey. Uh, and he's like, ladies first? And she's like, no, it's fine. I'll come back later. And then he says, oh, wait up, killer. Hmm. Which is an interesting word choice. And Spencer kind of turns at this. He wants to quiz uh, after class. And she's just like. Well, no, he wants to walk to class on the way to class, yeah. and quiz each other. And she's like, quiz each other? And he's just For like. What? He's like, did you did you space out on the physics test today? And she's just like, motherfucker. And she just goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he's like, I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> and she does. There's some great hand acting by Troy in here. She must have taken Keegan Allen's hand acting class because she kind of raises her hands, her head. And she says, um, yeah, I'm just going to wing it. 
So let me just pitch this to you. It's Keegan Allen. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Brett Dyer. Brett Dyer. I don't know how to pronounce mm-hmm. his last name. It's probably like an Asian guy with a Fu Manchu. It's like Kabbalah, only it's hand acting. It's just hand acting. <laughs> it's I just love the way she did that, kind of though. Thing. Like that—that's such a, a, a you know teen phenom move where she's just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna wing it. Yeah. Like, let's do this." And he's like, "This isn't winging material. I've been up all night cramming." And Spencer's very dubious of this, and she says, "If you've been up all night, how come you don't look like me?" And he's like, "Sleep is overrated." And Spencer's like, okay, like basically just like she knows this bullshit. And she says, oh, you know what? Actually, why don't you come? Hey, could you cover for me? Whatever that means. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of that in this episode. A lot of covering for people. That is not something that happens in high school. And then if you're not too busy after school, maybe you could come over and give me your physics notes. And she says this with like a curl on one side of her lip, just like subtly sending the message that she wants to send him about, yeah, this would be a good thing if you came over. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, thanks. And then she walks off with like a bad poker face. Yeah, he is super weak in the knees for her. But I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, like if you and I had like Mrs. Welch's class, I can't walk in the class and be like, oh, don't mark Benji like, like absent. He's just taking a shit. I'm sure he'll be oh, okay. here any minute. I mean, you can't cover for somebody. What are they talking about? Yeah, just looking at this like one-sided smile that she does. She's such a femme fatale. Yeah. Like all, all of her mannerisms are great for that. Yeah. Um, so we got the Ezra's empty classroom. Mona shows up in the doorway as Ezra's sitting there at the desk. And she says, Mr. Fitz, you wanted to see me? And he says, yes, he did. Uh, she should come in and close the door. She has this incredibly evil, sexy smile on her face as she starts to close the door. See, I, I read this a slightly different way. It looks like this like knowing smirk. But then at the same time, I wondered, like, maybe this is just false bravado. Because we know Mona's very good at that as well. Yeah, I I don't know what you're supposed to read out of it. Like mm-hmm. it's, it it feels. I think you're supposed to get the impression that something very improper is happening here. Doesn't that? Yeah, but I do feel like there's nature. Or there's just you. a hint in Janelle Parrish's acting there that she's a little unsure of herself as she enters. You think that she's about to put her fingers in him like he's a bowling ball and throw him at the others like they're bowling pins? Yes, nailed it. Um, so at the brew. Hannah comes back to her seat for coffee. The busboy is clearing stuff away. Hannah loses her mind thinking that he threw her book away. <laughs> Especially since she's on the last two pages. This guy doesn't say a word. He just picks up his train and walks away. And there's the book like sitting underneath where it's been the whole time. And she's just like, oh, thanks. Oh, <laughs> she does this thing where she like rubs her hands together like very adorably as she sees the book. Uh, <laughs> it's her precious, yeah. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Holbrook happened to be over the counter ordering. He kind of hears this and turns around. So after Hannah sits down, he walks over and says, "Last few pages, huh? I'm impressed." <laughs> and Hannah says she always reads the endings first. And he's like, "What of a mystery? That's crazy." No, sir. That's something that Arya also does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we we promised this a few episodes ago. I believe it was at the uh, midway through. Now you see me. Now you don't. This is what Arya also does. Yeah, Arya and Hannah, the the two that we claim to be the same person, mm-hmm. according to your, the the grand theory, the grand they both theory. read yeah. the end of books. Also, Holbrook is like he like stole some of Tom Cruise's DNA for this scene. Oh yeah, he looks so much like Tom Cruise in this scene. It's freaky. I expected him to start like mixing a cocktail, put on some pilot's glasses, and then I don't know, maybe climb, climb the Burge Tower. Maybe put put a song on the jukebox in there and start serenading Hannah. 
Yes. Yes. And then uh, Val Kilmer comes running in. He's like, you can't do that because you're dangerous. Yeah. So Hannah says, how else am I supposed to know what clues to look for? Which is interesting logic, I guess. Yeah. She wants to know. Well, she's looking for methodology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hopper tells her to go back because she's missing the middle where the big twist is. And Hannah says, well, all I'm missing right now is a reindeer sighting and a canoe trip down the Fjord. <laughs> he kind of smirks a little, and Hannah picks up on this, and she's like, what? How do you say it? And he's like, we were close. Well, and... I love that he's not like, put down the book, bitch. You're dumb. You yeah. know, like like her <laughs> friends are. Well, and Hannah, Hannah it, she has a curiosity now. Which is interesting, because there are probably times in the past when Hannah just wouldn't have cared. But I feel like now that she doesn't have a, a boyfriend to take up a lot of her like mental energy, she's kind of expanding. She's like uh, George from Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know, you know the reference, right? Yeah, yeah it's Summer Hannah. She just uh, wants to sit around shirtless eating a block of cheese. Who wouldn't? Watch Rafa Khan. And so Hans is like, what? How do you say? He says, you were close. And Hans says, all right, so what's a twist? And he's like, no way, uh-uh, I'm not giving spoilers. And Hans says, oh, come on, you owe me. And he says, all right, all right. All I'll say is that it has to do with the dental records. And Hans says, the one they used to ID the body? And he says, it always comes down to teeth, doesn't it? And he leaves, and Hannah kind of ponders the book. This whole scene feels so meta. Yeah. They're talking about, like, give me spoilers. No, I won't give you spoilers, you know? You You have to go back and read that part in the middle. It's a big twist. That's the best part. And then they look at the audience and, like, wink. Um, Mm -hmm. So outside the counseling office at Rosewood High, Aria knocks on the door, and Jesse answers. She asks if he's Jesse, and he's just like, oh, yes. Uh, Have you scheduled an appointment? This guy looks like, okay, I, I, I can sum it up very simply to me. He looks like a Christian rock star, in quotes, and talks with what sounds like a rejected Batman voice. <laughs> well, and this guy was like just leaving as Arya knocked, and, and so like she's like surprised that he's like he, this guy's like very weird and intense. He has he has a strange affect. Yeah. Well, this guy is like he's weird. He's intense. He's kind of like the weird guy at your church who wants to get you involved because he knows better. Uh, he seems to me like. But even with all that, like, maybe he's, like, the good version of Ezra. Well, his, his tone is friendly, but he's very direct and, like, authoritative. Oh, he puts you on the spot, yeah. He, yeah. He, he, you know why? Because he's an adult. He cuts through the bull. Yeah. He brings people together. And so, Arya's like, oh, I was just dropping by. And he's like, well, let's not talk in the doorway. Please come in. He's kind of, like, nicely ordering her around. Disarming, yeah. Yeah. Arya uh. comes in. Uh, there's a thing she does, and she does it a few times in this episode, where, like, before she continues a conversation, she'll, like, look sideways, like she's checking for witnesses before she does something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In case she's going to physically assault somebody. Um, she's surprised to see that he has, like, this, like, fancy candy dispenser thing going on, which would look like it'd be expensive. Uh, he asks who she is, and she says she's Ari Montgomery, Mike's sister, and he has this look on his face, like, oh, boy. Well, he takes a deep breath. And forces a smile, and inside he's just like, oh shit, it's her. Yeah, <laughs> like, closes that huge folder on his desk, it's just Mark Aria. Tries to remember his training. Yeah. They told him this day would come. <laughs> Heck, it's like, from now on, the Montgomery girl is all you. <laughs> um, so Aria read the candy that Spencer says, wow, Mr. Fazelli is definitely gone. Jesse asks if she missed him, and Aria says no, because Fazelli was definitely old school, and his head sweat a lot, like cheese. 
Like HEs. Like HEs. There's also yeah. a chessboard set up on Jesse's coffee table. Mm-hmm. Careful, Ari. Uh, so Arya kind of chuckles at her own joke there, and he just laughs nervously, and he's like, Arya, please, have a seat. And she says, I was just a little curious about Mike's group. Uh, can anyone join, or do you handpick the students yourself? And he says it's open to everyone. He does reach out to certain individuals who, you know, have been through some rough patches. Why? So is living in an adrenalized hyper-reality considered a rough patch? Because it's not in my world, buddy. Yeah, seriously. And Arya says, well, it's just my little brother has a... Uh, He's befriended this certain individual who's bad news. And Jesse's just like, bad news? And Ari's like, yeah. And he says, can he be more specific? Ari says nothing, of course. And so he's like, you're referring to Mona. And Ari says, well, at least you agree. And he says, oh, I didn't say I agreed, but I made an educated guess. So how can I help you? But he's like, he's so direct. Like, he totally puts her on the spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ari says, look, how do I say this without sounding rude? And he's like, try. So Arya tries and says, Mona's the devil. <laughs> and he just kind of nods and Arya says, and, and I would really, really appreciate it if you didn't encourage them being together. Jesse's like, sounds like he has some unresolved issues with Mona. And Arya's like, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah, she started to be here till Friday. Uh, and so then he like very quickly, he's like, well, let's start on Tuesday. Sounds like you could really benefit from joining our group. And Arya's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This isn't about me. And he's like, Arya, it's a safe place. A place where you can explore your anger. And Arya's just like, I'm not angry. I'm just concerned. And this individual's history supports it. Then she turns into the Hulk and, like, smashes a hole in his wall. Well, he's totally turning it around. I mean, really, this guy, this is possibly the most dangerous foe Arya's ever encountered. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. a psychologist in a position of power. Yeah. So she's going to get out of here. Who's not, like, mystified by the glory of Arya. Yeah, yeah. the mysterious girl with her lyrical name has no power in this room. Yeah. So Jesse's uh. saying he doesn't discourage friendships with two students bond. It's because they found common ground. And Arya's like, right, okay, well, thanks for hearing me out. And he's like, anytime. Yeah. Arya gets the fuck out of there as fast so, as she can. Meanwhile, in Ezra's classroom, where she still has power, uh, Ezra's texting somebody. and he's He's writing in this text. There's been a setback, re-Allison. Then there's a knock on the door, and then Wayne fucking Fields walks in. This season pa- is like the season. Applause. Yeah, pause for applause. It also uh, knock and then enter without yeah. without being called. Exactly. But this season's totally the season of like, wh- how many weird pairings can we do? You know, it's oh, like yeah. like let's put Ezra in a scene with Wayne Fields. That'll be crazy. Or Ezra in a scene with Ashley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So Wayne's like Mr. Fitz. And she's like, Mr. Fields, Emily didn't tell me you were back in Thames. We're best buds. Mm-hmm. Wayne's like, well, I asked my CEO for a little personal time, considering all the things that have been happening on the home front. Military talk. Uh, Ezra's like, well, it's been an eventful couple of months for Emily. And Wayne asks if it's uh, affected her schoolwork. And Ezra doesn't think so. He's like, senior year can be quiet. And Wayne's like, rough? Yeah, that's what she says. But honestly, I think it's something more than that. He says, staying at the De Laurentiis house. That may have been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> My wife tells me that Allison's mother, well, she acts as if her daughter's going to walk through that door again. He, like, pauses the snicker. Yeah, and Ezra kind of pretends to act surprised at this. And Wayne says, and Emily stayed and slept in her dead friend's bedroom. And I think it t- maybe took a toll on her. Yeah, and Ezra's like, well, I imagine it <laughs> Maybe would. not such a great idea in hindsight. But, you know, I know it, Wayne probably thinks this has, a, like, a bearing on Emily's well-being. But really, this is just go- gossiping. Yeah. Oh, I must have Have you heard? She's fucking bonkers. <laughs> 
She's nuts. She's batshit insane. And I was just like, yeah, well, I imagine it would. How can I help? And he says, well, you seem to be one of the few teachers she feels connected to. I think she really trusts you. And, well, I'm wondering if you might be able to help her get her back on track. And this is hilarious. Ezra's like, well, I could give her some sort of extracurricular project, something she can really throw herself into after school. Mm-hmm. Like, somewhere Emily's just like, thanks a fucking lot, Dad. Well, and the audience is just like, oh, shit, Ezra's A. Yeah, and Wayne says, I think that might do her world of good. And he's like, well, I'm happy to be here for her. So Wayne appreciates it. Take care, you too, says Ezra. And they shake hands, manly handshake. And Ezra kind of tilts his head as he watches Wayne go, very curious, and then he grabs his cell phone and makes a call. Uh, he grabs his cell phone off a stack of Jack on Hyde books. Um, well, Wayne just walked in and be like, hey, could you give my daughter a bunch of extra schoolwork? She doesn't have enough on her mind already. Yeah. And Ezra's like, sure. Bury her in schoolwork. That'll mm-hmm. make her feel more sociable. Um, But then I like when Wayne then comes back into the room and invites Ezra out for a beer and a trip to the hardware store. Mm-hmm. Or the, the hardware store. <laughs> and then later on, the hardwood store. <laughs> That's That slip could be considered Freudian. Mm. Um, so in Spencer's bedroom, Andrew is going off on the misconceptions of net force, and Spencer is looking at him like one would look at a, like a, like a vampire would look at somebody. She's like, it's like, it's like she can hear. It's like she's looking at his veins pulsating, you know? Well, it's like she can hear the blood beating in there. Like she can hear the music playing and the memories of the life that she's about to drain out of him of her fangs. Well, and he's just like bodies in motion, motion in the body, talking about net force, and she just wants to eat his brains, and she's like, and he's like, did you get that? And she's like, yeah, I think I did. <laughs> she pretends to make some notes. He stands up, looking around, he's like, nice room, lots of ribbons, jumping, dressage, all these medals from writing. And Spencer says, yeah, got everything in here but the horse, which is a nice meta joke, because we never see Spencer's horse that she supposedly has. Spencer, we never seen your horse. Maybe Toby got kicked by a horse when he was young. That would explain a lot of things and leave a lot more questions open to us. Spencer uh, says, hey, uh, how many hours would you say you studied for this in a row? And he's like, I don't know, like seven. You're going to need to know a lot of, about Newton for this. A lot of Isaac Newton. And then Spencer gets up and closes the bedroom door. Oh, yeah. Bounce, bounce, bounce. She says, Andrew, um, I didn't ask you here to study, Andrew. And Andrew has this look on his face. It's just like, oh, shit, I'm going to get laid. And no, that's not what's happening, well, Andrew. He's just like, you didn't? <laughs> I've been watching you. You have? She says, you're the captain of the decathlon team. You're starting forward and summa cum laude. It's time to share, Andrew. And just like, okay. He's like, okay. I'm ready to share my semen with you. She says, I'm just, I'm not interested in your notes, okay? On no. some of your study aid. You know, the kind of the childproof cap. I need to stay up for a while. Oh. And he's like, uh, boner killer. I don't have any of that. And Spencer's like, Andrew, come on. I'm your study buddy for like three classes. Plus, once I showed you my side boob. <laughs> and he's thinking, valid point. And he says he has a legit prescription. He can give her a few, but and Spencer's just like, I need just, you know, just enough to get through the week. So he gets his bag, pulls some pills out, and he's like, I knew something was up. And Spencer's like, what? And he says, since when does Spencer Hastings trust anybody's notes but her own? Hmm. And Spencer says, so why'd you come here then? And he says, I don't know. thought maybe you were done with that carpenter. And she's just kind of curious at this as he pours some pills out for her. And she's like, thanks. This really makes me want study drugs now. 
Yeah, well, I mean, because Spencer does amazing things on these drugs. Um, it's interesting because I think part of it is Spencer is always curious why would somebody walk into a trap. Mm-hmm. But also, I think that obviously she loves the ideas of the guys that are obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's ever like thinking about cheating on Toby or anything like that, even when she thought he was dead or evil or whatever. But she loves like flirting with the idea. You know what I mean? She loves well, like, controlling. When she was bad, she was very, very good. Well, and Andrew's like Mr. You know, Captain of the Decathlon team, all that bullshit. But like, she has power over him. She, she has the she feminine mystique. She can do whatever, whatever he wants, she wants, basically. Yeah, she has the feminine mystique. Uh, so at night, Emily's bedroom. Uh, it's dark. Emily's like tossing and turning in bed. She hears floorboards creaking. There's dogs barking. She's like, Dad. Uh, she goes to her window, which is open, and she shuts it. More floorboards screen. Because, again, there's just nothing but ambient strange noises <laughs> that just surround Emily constantly. Seriously. Uh, uh, she goes to her desk, pulls out a giant pair of scissors from the drawer. She sees the shadow of someone standing in front of her door, like through the under the door. Uh, the door handle starts to turn, so she runs and hides beside the door. Once the door opens, she strikes with scissors. It's her dad and who well, catches her hand. Wayne Fields, man of action. Just yeah. like... Pure reflex takes over and he like blocks that stab with his forearm, like a total pro. Yeah. And Emily just like freaks out. She's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought I was an intruder. And he just holds her and he's like, You okay? And then we get a POV outside the window as Emily is just kind of like breathing heavy in shock. And, uh, we see the camera pans down the window to the windowsill outside and there's a big, very noticeable handprint, like ridiculously noticeable handprint. In the dirt outside the sill, like, ooh, somebody was there. I mean, other than him being the, like, military attache for the patriarchy and being an overbearing, overprotective father, uh, Wayne, there's no evidence that Wayne Fields is, like, a bad dude by any means. He just mm-hmm. doesn't get it half the time. But this whole episode, every scene of him, it seems like it's always, like, a precursor to him, like, reminding her of like a father-daughter dance coming up <laughs> like I, I don't know why but it made me uncomfortable every time he called his daughter baby hey that's just what the patriarchy does man or just why is he coming into her room in the middle of the night i guess you could say he's just being protective he's just checking on her making sure she's sleeping okay i don't know but i don't know i, I know there's I, i'm i'm over reading into it but it just feels slightly icky to me yeah i can see that uh so at night spencer's room uh unlike Emily, Spencer is not asleep. Or even Peter Hastings yet. would never come in and check on Spencer in the middle of the night. Peter Hastings got shit to do. Well, and also, plausible deniability. Also, he's at the cockfights. <laughs> what are you doing here, Dad? What's it look like I'm doing? I'm winning! Yeah, so Spencer's on Dino, her laptop. More on little Jerry. <laughs> she's got a bunch of printouts of those pictures of the diary next to her. Uh, she's working on uh, love and death. This uh, This particular story she's trying to figure out. And she, it looks like she's got most of it now. So she reads it in voiceover. This is a very cool little sequence here where she's going to be reading in vo- voiceover to a flashback we're about to go into. And she reads, we're at a college bar, the heart and the huntsman. He likes to take me there, but he doesn't like to call them dates. And then speculative flashback. Well, yeah, it's, it's like a, across like a flashback, a dream sequence and like journal extrapolation, really. Yeah, the the way this is filmed is interesting. There's all these like kind of hazy motion trails. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allie is going to be talking to someone in the scene who we never see. They're like shrouded in like kind of blurry darkness. Sh- yeah, shadowed blurs. So, but they speak because because, Spencer's because voice. Spencer literally doesn't know who it is. Yeah, uh, and well, it's it's a fascinating scene that compared to like 
her interactions with imaginary Allison and I'm your puppet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so Allie's in the Heart and the Huntsman's bar, uh, and Allie says, "So, what do you think of my stories?" And Spencer, kind of reading for the the other person, says, "You have a strong voice." And we see the other person's reading her diary, and Allie says, "But," and Spencer says, "But nothing. It's only going to get more distinctive as you grow up." Now he says, grow up, and Spencer says, you know what I mean, mature. Now he says, oh, so you don't think I'm mature enough? And then Allie takes a bite of this person's berry pie that's sitting in front of them. And Spencer in voiceover says, I didn't say that. I just think all great literature boils down to two things, love and death. Who does this sound like? Oh, we all what know. What kind of pretentious sounds- twaddle does this sound like? We all know who this sounds like. Yeah, and Allie smiles at this. She's like, whatever. I don't know why I'm taking advice from someone who doesn't know how to order. Who eats boysenberry pie with beer? And we see this other person's taking a drink of their beer. And Spencer says, don't knock it till you try it. Allie says, I should write a story about you. Maybe I'll write one about this moment, right now. And she leans over and, and kisses this kind of dark blur of a person. And then we come back to Spencer, just kind of puzzling this out, trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Boysenberry pine beer. Hmm. It's just weird and creepy. Oh, but so, you know, call back to uh, Spencer's strange relationship with, like, the idea of Allison, um, mm. pseudo, like, uh, film noir aspects to it, uh, obsession, pills. Well, could we, could we be on the verge of a dark Spencer saga, too? Uh, perhaps. And even though she's, you know, the, the person and is shrouded in darkness, it's, because Spencer's doing the voiceover, it's kind of funny to think this is another moment of Spencer kind of hallucinating making out with Allison. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, just a little. And so then we cut to Hannah's house. Uh, it's night. Hannah leads Spencer into her room. She's in like some pink and white striped PJs, like satin pajamas. Mm-hmm. Looks great. Uh, Hannah just gets back in bed and she says, you're lucky my mom finished her box of Chardonnay. Do you oh, know how loud you were? Oh, wow. <laughs> I like that the show is like, they just like shouted out all the wine jokes there. They're like, well, yeah, like, that's right. Ashley's killing a box of Chardonnay at night now. I just picture like, Ashley's like asleep at the kitchen table, like face down. <laughs> like half empty glass, like clutched in her hand, like white knuckle. And her other hand is like around the box of Chardonnay, just like cradling it. Hannah can just like lift up her wrist and drop it and it just thuds. <laughs> Yeah, so Spencer says that she was loud because Hannah never answered her phone. And Hannah's like, do you know what time it is? And Spencer's like, well, no, I never went to bed. Hannah's it, like, it, it should be mentioned now. Spencer looks a little tweaked out. She's yeah. got, I mean, I don't know if these are PJs or what. She's just wearing, basically wearing like black pants, like a white, like loose shirt and like a hoodie. So maybe I think she's this wearing is. That, that same like V-neck shirt that mm-hmm. she's been wearing since the last episode, I think. I think it's basically like a Toby shirt that she took. But, uh, um, and she's like, no, I never went to bed. And Hannah's like, it's 4 a.m. And Spencer's like, well, who cares? You know, Spencer has a lead finally. It's a pub, a bar called The Heart and the Huntsman outside Hollis College. So Allie's Mr. Man would take her for pie and beer. And Spencer says, do you want to come with me? And she's like straightening the corners of Hannah's sheets. Yeah, as she's been talking. She's been kind of like making Hannah's bed with Hannah still in it. It's a very nice touch. That's totally a thing that like tweakers would do. But Hannah's like, now I'm not wearing any underwear. <laughs> and spencer says no after fifth period and hannah says no no i can't i scheduled a cleaning at the dentist 
And Spencer's like, you're going to pass up finding the person who's after Allie to get your plaques grades? And Hannah kind of surprised Spencer here. She's like, no, don't you get it, Spence? Uh, Allie went to the same dentist. Look, the police used dental records to prove that the body was Allison's. And we know that it wasn't. So someone switched the x-rays to match whoever was in that grave. Which, this kind of makes me wonder, like, did Holbrook know something? Like, was there some extra layer there? Like, does he know more than he lets on? Was he pointing Hannah in a certain direction? You could make the argument that he dropped the reference to collateral damage, because that's literally what he was turning Hannah into. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just going to make her his agent. Yeah, Holbrook. Shifty character. You never know with him. Uh, it always comes down to the teeth. So Spencer's kind of digging this. She's like, okay. And Hannah says, if I find out who's in that office after they found the body, we're that much closer to finding out who A is. And Spencer says, so you think A went in there as a patient? And Hannah says, it's better than breaking in. And I know where they keep those records. I used to file them. Well, because it's not like they could put on candy striper outfits again. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, remember back when Hannah had to work for Sean's mom briefly in season one? (laughs) Baking the cake! And so Spencer's like, okay, okay, so you go to the dentist, I'll go to the pub. Should we update Ari and Emily about any of this? And as she says this, Spencer's now kind of like scratching her neck absently. Like she's really got the ticks down as someone who's uh, altered. Yeah, she's had a pill. <laughs> yeah. And Hannah says, I really want one of these pills now. I, you know, like, cause like I didn't even know that like this kind of thing existed when I was in college. And I like heard about it later that like this is what Edward is doing is taking Adderall. And I feel like I had totally missed out on that. Do you feel like if you had read that Elizabeth Wurzel book, like just five years later, your life would have been like, Awesome. Horribly different. In an I really feel way. like I, I, my college experience was a letdown. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny that the, for this podcast to come out as being very, very pro Elizabeth Wurzel. Well, why wouldn't it? I feel like she's got a lot of shit in the last few years. Yeah, it's a whole. Starting with her thing. like comments about nine eleven and stuff like that, but. Mm-hmm. So Emily, anyway, uh, Hannah says no. Emily will lose it if she thinks we're hunting down clues again. So Spencer says. I don't think I can make her any angrier than she already is. <laughs> and I says, Spence, this isn't forever, okay? Once we find out who A is, all will be forgiven. Sure, it will. So she's so, pretty, pretty hopeful about that. Like, yeah. So uh, next day, streets downtown Rosewood. Aria's, same day, yeah. Aria's walking with her empty coffee cup, pretending to drink from it. You can see the brew sign in the background. Can we talk about her outfit just a little bit? Oh, I've been living to talk about her outfit. I, I mean, it's... It's all like black and silvery grays, and I mean, wow. At first, I was like, "Is that a crazy fetish leather jacket?" But it's also like it's like vaguely camouflage-ish. I mean, I get up close, and it's got all these weird, like, kind of riveted holes in it. Yeah, and then like black and silvery gray pants with like weird. I think they're like big flowers or something on them, like like Rorschach flowers. Like a Rorschach floral pattern. Well, no, a gray shirt. Like everything with her is like these like blacks and grays, but then she has this kind of like bright pink purse with a bunch of like gold bling on it. Mm hmm. Arya knows how to dress. I mean, Arya could really set off a metal detector right now. Oh, and she appears to have a ring on her finger that's like, like, is that like a spread eagle? Like, with its wings going out, like to either side? Like, it's this huge ass weird ring that there's like points on either end very strange the only thing like missing is for like her to buy off like that like vial of blood that angelina jolie and billy bob thornton used to wear around their necks <laughs> and then drink it yeah yeah 
So she spots old, old Maggie there getting out of her car, and so Arya walks over. She's like, hey there. Who, who might be her from the future. Mm-hmm. And Maggie says, oh, hi. Um, It's okay if I park here, right? And Arya says, well, it depends. How long do you plan on staying? And Maggie gives her a little side eye at Arya's weird tone and word choice. Mm-hmm. And she pulls out a box of stuff out of the car, sets it on the roof, and she says, just as long as it takes me to get to, to mail this. And Arya's like, then that's it? Then you're out of here for good? Maggie's like, I think so. Why? Ari says, you know how badly Esther wanted to see Malcolm, so coming up here without him was a really nasty thing to do. And Maggie, speaking for the audience, says, Arya, it's really none of your business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ari says, oh, really? Well, it sure was when you asked me not to lie to, or not to tell Ezra that Malcolm was his kid. Well, look how that turned out, Arya. Mm-hmm. And Maggie's like, if you'll excuse me. And she reaches for her box. Arya stops her. She says, no, no, there's no excuse for someone to lie about something like that and screw up someone's life. And if you count Malcolm, that's two people. It should be mentioned, like, you know, Maggie, you never had to move. You had a whole job and everything and right. wherever you were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so, so Maggie, like, yeah, go ahead. She's like, I didn't realize that you and Mr. Fitz were still so close. He's lucky to have a student who's so protective of him. And this just drives Arya up the wall. Well, she almost like smiles a little at this. Like she's like, oh, yeah, yes, give me more. <laughs> and Arya says, well, Mr. Fitz is too much of a gentleman to kick you to the curb. But somebody needs to. And then Arya kicks Maggie in the face. Yeah. And Maggie says, I'm guessing you've done some lying yourself when it comes to Mr. Fitz. Ari says, yeah, but it's not the kind that includes blackmailing his family into paying for a three-bedroom house and a fancy summer camp. Maggie says, well, that's rich, coming from a kid who maintains her grade point average by sleeping with her teacher. Burn! Yeah, in your fucking face, Arya. Yeah, so Arya funny if, like, Arya was getting a B in that class. (laughs) Ezra's like, I can't make it look, you know. So... So Ezra just keeps writing in red ink. Needs work. <laughs> Your voice needs a mature. Oh, gross. So, uh, Ar- like, Arya grabs Maggie's arm and she jerks. She jerks so hard that the box, like, flies out of Maggie's arms. We hear it, something inside break. We see there's, like, a framed picture inside of Malcolm that's broken. And well, and this Arya's- was as Maggie was, like, trying to turn away, but Arya kind of, like, yanked her back and caused this whole scene of, like, the box falling and the shattered picture of Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Which- Arya, like, shocked. That's a crazy metaphor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maggie just looks sad, and Arya's like, oh my god, I'm sorry. And She tries to bend down and pick it up, and Maggie's just like, just leave it. Get the fuck out of here, you bitch. Yeah. Uh, so Arya walks off very quickly, doesn't need to be to- told twice. Mm-hmm. Maggie bends down to pick the stuff up, just kind of like staring at Arya like, what the fuck? So, but, I mean, it should be pointed out too, as you mentioned earlier, is that Arya's now physically seen and met and threatened at least two of Ezra's ex-girlfriends who were <laughs> themselves either varying degrees of crazy mm-hmm. or plagiarists. Yeah. And at the same time, there was like, it was this weird thing where somehow, either legitimately or not, Ezra kind of positioned them both as like these crazy people, you know, and he was just the sane one. He was like being victimized by them. Yeah, yeah. And that Well, that he... Somehow. He should be like lauded for the fact that you know, not only did he put them on a pedestal in a creepy way, but he stuck by them. He tried to make it work. He was a sensitive bro. So then we cut to Arya walking with Emily, who's kind of wheeling her bike to school. Because I guess this is all like in the morning before school. Yeah. yeah. And Emily's like, you ran away? And Arya says, no, I walked. Fast. <laughs> she says, I mean, I basically just made things worse for Ezra. 
She'll make sure that he never sees Malcolm again. Because he thing. shouldn't. Yeah, not a bad thing. And Emily says, it's not like Ezra asked Arya to confront her. It just happened in the moment. Which she says it to, like, comfort Arya. But it's yeah. like, <laughs> you're kind of <laughs> indicting her with facts. Um, yeah. Arya says it doesn't matter because once Maggie tells him, and Emily tries to shut this down. She reminds Arya that, you know, she was merely acting as Ezra's friend. She's like, he's not going to be that mad. Plus, it's not like you're still seeing him. And Arya's just like, mm. but this is a reasonable job of trying to look sad and not like a liar. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, not like I'm seeing him. Oh, and Arya, Arya needs to skip class. She asked Emily to cover for her in case Ezra <laughs> Just in asked. case Ezra asked. Like, what is Emily going to say? Oh, Mr. Fitz, um, I'm actually covering for Arya today. Yeah. Well, he's like, oh, okay. Wait, what? Just imagine Emily's fantastic reactions to everything, especially when Ezra's like, oh, Emily, or Miss uh, Miss Fields, have you seen Miss Montgomery? And Emily's just like, what do you fucking want to hear? Emily's <laughs> like, I'm covering for her. I mean, oh, fuck it. Fuck you too. <laughs> um, yeah, Emily says, you know, she'll try, but she's seeing Fitz outside of class too, because Wayne drafted her to co-direct the spring play <laughs> with Ezra. And even Arya's face is like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually have a freeze frame on just that expression right nice, now. Nice, nice. Um, so yeah. Arya asks why that is. First of all, it's it's a bit early to be worrying about the spring play. It's still like early-ish November, like that that nebula. Um, Ellie says that it's because her dad thinks she's a basket case, and Arya's like, because you won't drive your he, he you won't drive your car. And Ellie's like, well, because I try to stab him with scissors. And Arya's like, your dad? What? And then she breaks off because. Behind Emily there, across the street, we can see Mike and Mona are kissing some full, heavy. full PDA in public. Two kids I, just getting it. I gotta say I'm proud of Mr. Mikey here because, I'm not gonna lie to you, I didn't think he had it in him. Nope. I didn't either. But Mona, she likes him young, I guess. So uh, Emily's eyes get, like, real big, and she looks back at Arya like, oh shit, what are you gonna do? <laughs> well, I mean... Could you make the argument that Mikey Montgomery is like a, a just a, a younger, less tainted, more virginal no con? Sure. Without the money? I think he could, yeah. Without the, him being like a, a Israeli secret agent <laughs> undercover in high school. Um, so, yeah, Emmy has a great reaction to the sight of this, too. So we leave this scene on an image of the two of them making out. And then we hear somebody like coughing up. <laughs> like hacking. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, it's a nice little J cut there. The sounds of Hannah hacking, and then we cut to her spitting in a drain at the dentist. So I was very confused at first because I kept thinking that this lady was Sean's mom, but it's not. No, it is, isn't it? No, no. So it was Sean Ackert, right? That's yeah. Sean's, Sean's mom is the dentist, the dentist that Hannah's waiting to see at the end of the scene. This is just some assistant who's obsessed with Sean, apparently. I almost thought it was like Sean's mom and like. Sean's dad was a dentist, but yeah, the, the dad's a preacher, so I guess that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was like, really confused, because this woman keeps going on about Sean. She does not look like she would be Sean's mom. True. Because yeah. he's basically fairly Aryan, and this woman comes off as basically somewhat Jewish. Well, um, and she says, uh, Sean's coming home from boarding school soon. He made quite a splash there, especially with the ladies. <laughs> yeah, it was sure the greatest Hannah faces ever sean's basically what like ian somerhalder from the rules of attraction oh yeah yeah without mm -hmm. a doubt but uh, less intelligent and snarky um yeah. 
Hannah's just like, looks like I missed out. Yeah, less George Michael. Um, So all my notes here for this scene say Sean's mom, but I'm pretty sure this is not Sean's mom. This woman says, you know, it looks like Hannah has a loose filling in one of her teeth, and, and Dr. Ackert's going to come in and have a, take a look at it. I like so that Han- they, they said loose filling in number 29. That's a nice... Nice jargon of the dentistry profession there. Yeah, yeah, because it's all numbered teeth. You're, you're, uh, I can't remember all the, the different types of mm-hmm. fillings and yeah. the decay thing, the DLC, whatever. Anyway, anyway um, Ackard's going to come in and take a look, and Hannah's like, today? How long is that going to take? And she says, why? Are you in a rush? And it kind of denies this, and so the hygienist says, tooth decay leads to heart disease, Hannah. Didn't she learn that when he worked here? Because Hannah keeps looking over that file room anxiously. Mm-hmm. Which is somehow the door to it is in this exam room. Sure. And yeah. Hannah's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I'm just going to go back to the waiting room. And Hygiene says, oh, no, you're fine just here. And, you know, right here. Just sit tight, hon. And she moves a light, like, over Hannah's face. So it's pointing right down her. And then she walks out of the room and Hannah looks over at that file room again. Mm-hmm. So, meanwhile, Spencer enters the heart and the huntsman. She walks inside and she is... Pretty surprised to see none other than Ezra Fitz. Well, before she walks, before she sees him, she walks in. She's got these big, huge open eyes, like staring around, like kind of like taking everything in, like a little glassy eyed. Uh, nice makeup with the like around her eyes is just like ever so slightly reddish. Mm. Like maybe she's rubbing her eyes too much because she hasn't slept in two days. Right, right. <laughs> she's all tweaked out on Adderall. Yeah. Or, or study aid, as they call it on the show. Study aid. Yeah, then she walks in, kind of freezes, and then walks up, because there's Ezra Fitz. He's eating some pie, and he's messing with his phone at a, a table at this bar. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, Spencer! Spencer! I love the way he says that. And so she's like, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. I guess I just didn't expect to see you in this setting. Well, he's like, I didn't expect to see you in this setting? Well, he's very uh, have you been here before? She said no, it's her first time. Ian Harding has this great way of, like, very naturalistically, like, he'll deliver a line of dialogue and pause. Not, like, too long of a pause where it's like his character is searching for the words to mm-hmm. finish the sentence. So it's just, like, in this setting. Oh, and as he's doing it, he's, like, he quickly puts his phone away. Mm-hmm. And, and the way he asks, like, have you been here before, it sounds like maybe he's fishing. Yeah. Like, he's kind of like what, you know... Trying to get some information about why Spencer might be here. I mean, so obviously this, you know, we don't talk about it too much, but like they have set up this season as Ezra's this evil character. He's quite possibly a, uh, the thing he's definitely guilty of besides being a creep, uh, with inappropriate relationships is he's just fishing for way too much information that he has to uh-huh. business going after. Yeah, and Spencer's kind of glancing around the place a little twitchy and she looks down at his pie, notices that. Spencer says, that look, that looks good. What is it? And he says, boysenberry. Or actually, it might be Blackberry. I don't know. I'm going off a recommendation from the waitress. And just then the waitress walks by and he flags her down. He says, um, uh, oh, excuse me. Could I actually cancel the rest of my order? I didn't realize how late it was. And I actually need to get going. He looks a little uncomfortable now. Yeah. Cute waitress, by the way. Yeah, she's she's, she's like a very cool waitress. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and so Spencer's just like watching this in fascination. It's like, like. Tumblers are falling into place right now because Fitz is already getting up to leave. It's like as soon as he saw Spencer, mm-hmm. he's like canceling in his order. He's getting the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the waitress is like, oh, no problem. And Fitz is like, great. Sorry to run out on you. Are you meeting someone here? Fishing again. Mm-hmm. And Spencer lies and says, yeah, I am. And her eyes are like so huge now. Like it, I think it's all it's all landing. 
Mm-hmm. Like and, an anime character. Like yeah. more so than Arya. And Fitz is like, he's laying it on like extra professional and like genial. He's like, great. Well, it was great running into you. Try the pie. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. And Spencer kind of pretends to laugh as he goes. And Spencer's like, yeah. Yeah, so I've heard. Well, then, like, the camera's like on the pie at the end, the end of the act as like Spencer's body just moves closer to it. And, and on the soundtrack, the lyric is so addicted to the bad boys playing over and over. I wanted her to like whip out like a Ziploc and like get some like uh, latex gloves. Oh, yeah. Take some like samples of the pie <laughs> to test or something. So, meanwhile, you know, at the brew, <laughs> like we confirmed it's pie. So, Arya's at a table, uh, with some school books in front of her at the brew. She gets on her phone. She calls Ezra. She's asking if Arya, if Maggie's already called. Pause. I didn't mean to go off on her. She's probably already <laughs> called her lawyer and told her that you're involved with some violent, psychotic freak. Ezra's <laughs> like, oh, they already knew that. Just so angry. Anyway, just call me when you can or not. Bye. Well, that, that line, I'm just so angry. Yeah. What are you angry about, Arya? I think she's angry about Mike and Mona, but, and everything goes with that. But, like, this whole phone call, I thought she was on the phone with him. Because <laughs> she keeps pausing in between. That's line true, yeah. Like, we talked about all like these other phone calls this season where people were just like, hey, this thing's happening. And they hang up, you know, mm. and you don't know if it's a voicemail or not, but it's like, this is the weirdest voicemail. Uh, so we saw um, that Jesse had entered the brew while she's on this voicemail. And I just wanted to put out too. Let's face it. Arya is Sid and Ezra is Nancy, right? Mm, sure. Um, yeah, so. so I mean, that that Jesse guy's at the brew. To me. But yeah, so Arya looks up as Jesse as he passes her. He goes to meet with some goofy looking guy in a suit and tie at a table behind her. Um, Back at the dentist. Yeah, Hannah's not in the chair when the hygienist comes back in. Um, she picks up, she looks around, picks up the phone call, calls the doctors. That's Doctor Eckert. Looks like Hannah Marin couldn't wait. Um, so Sean's mom, you know, or the hygienist will call her tomorrow to reschedule. But since uh, Hannah was the last on the book, she's heading out. Um, so then she heads out. Meanwhile, in the file room, Hannah's like flipping through files. She finally gets the ones from Labor Day. She hears the door close in the other room, so she basically rips a bunch of the pages out, puts them in her purse. Uh, it should be mentioned, because you can freeze frame and see names on this, uh, Joseph Doherty and Mike Goldsmith have their name here. Nice. Uh, a lot of people like to freeze frame this stuff, and like, because like, you'll see certain names pop up like multiple times occasionally. Mm-hmm. I, From what I know, it doesn't mean anything. These are basically all crew members' names. Mm-hmm. It's basically easier to use their names and make ones up. Right. Because they have to, like, go check and whatnot. So, like, a lot, like, there's, like, somebody named Kavanaugh. I, I can't remember the last. It's, like, Chris Kavanaugh that you see a lot on various, like, papers mm-hmm. in PLL. It's, like, the it's like the grip or something. You know, it's, like, no, it isn't Toby's secret brother. Because <laughs> that would be frightening. Can you imagine if Toby was the secret twin? Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so she... Takes about, like, five pages, like, after Labor Day, and rips them all out. And then she puts them in her purse, and that's about it for that scene. Go back to the brew. Arya's checking her phone, but nothing's happened on the phone. Maybe. Or maybe she's doing a shit. We don't really know. Mm. She picks up her phone to leave, and as she leaves, that Jesse guy spots her. Says, hey, you know, how's it going? And Arya's like, hey, good. And he's like, been at it for a while over there, huh? And Arya says, you know, it's a history paper, there's a lot of reading. He just wanted to ask her, uh, has she given any more thought to joining the group? And Arya's like, uh, no. 
And so he nods. And Ari does that thing again where she like looks sideways like she's checking for witnesses. Mm-hmm. And she says, look, Jesse, I'm not totally clueless. I know that there's some things I need to work through. He nods. Like your adrenalized hyper-reality, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Jesse wisely just nods at this. And Ari says, I just need an outlet. Like, uh, and he jumps in and says, roller derby? And Ari says, you have a group for that, too? And he laughs and says, no, but I got basketball. Saturday morning pickup games? Hard and Ari's just like, uh, pass. Hard pass. It's um, a pass, Jesse. If there only there was a place in Rosewood where Ari could pay money to throw plates against a wall, right? Indeed. <laughs> so Jesse's like, fair enough. Uh, once Ari to know, he's all available for one-on-one meetings, stores all open. And Ari's like, all right, thanks. I just, I, I just really don't want to lose my brother. And he's like, would you like to sit down? And Ari's like, what? No, no, I gotta go. Thanks. Well, but it, that line though is so great because Ari has been kind of this angry cartoon character the whole episode. But there's such vulnerability that just oozes into that line. And it's like, for the first time, it's like Jesse sees that she might actually be a human who dresses that way and acts that way. Careful, careful, Jesse. It's all for show. She's yeah, a yeah. monster. Yeah, I mean, this is how you get caught in her spider web. So back to the dentist's office. Hannah rushes out of the file room, climbs back into the chair to maintain her cover. She puts that light back in her face. The door opens behind her. Somebody comes in in a white lab coat, as if they are a medical professional. Well, it's the same out, same coat that uh, the hygienist had on, yeah. It's you know something like a dentist would wear too. Uh, so Hannah, assuming it's the doctor, it starts going off about how great it is that Sean's coming back, and she feels bad they lost her. She hopes she hopes that he's not mad at her. We then see that the person in the white lab coat is wearing black gloves. It's too late well, to do anything about it because they grab the gas mask thing. Yeah, a little nitrous oxide right in the face, and like smother hannah with it until she passes out she's getting roofied in the mouth well this a must be strong because hannah's like pulling at the arm and it's not budging at all yeah yeah i mean it's it's, it's almost a violent act because this is a for- this is a physical altercation forced upon her then uh once she finally succumbs to the gas, <laughs> if that wasn't disturbing as shit enough yeah then i'm gonna say black gloves because i don't know if it's a or or what or i feel like a. it's a yeah <laughs> Uh, a then grabs a syringe, squirts out some juice so we know it's live, and then starts to open Hannah's mouth. <laughs> this is where if you have issues with dentists, your shit just got lost. I freaked out. Like a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people, I think. I think I read somewhere today, too, that it wasn't just in the previous episode where they had like the scenes from the next episode, meaning this one. Mm-hmm. Like I want to say that I heard that parts of this were in the uh, the trailer for 4B. Oh, nice. Uh, like after the Halloween special or something. So a lot of people were just like, oh, God, whatever this is, is coming. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so meanwhile, at the Heart and Huntsman. Good old dentistry work. Dentistry horror. Uh, Spencer's still going over her copy of this particular story from Allison's journal. The waitress brings over. Well, and Spencer's here. got a, a pen in her hand, and that thing's just like moving all over the place as she oh. tweaks. One of the mis- the words that she guessed at that wasn't accurate was deer. We came to this pub for some deer. <laughs> um,. Like they're really gonna eat a decor sign on the wall? Question mark. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Spencer's, you know, she's going to the story. The waitress brings over a beer. She says that since Ezra already ordered it, she sees no harm in giving the dispenser. And also, if anyone asks, I already checked your ID. This is like the coolest waitress ever. She is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And Spencer says a boysenberry pie and beer. That's what he ordered. And the, wait- the waitress says, I know, kind of gross, right? That's why she's the coolest waitress ever. Yeah, and Spencer's like, yeah, it is, because she's just like, oh shit. Well, I think and, and he lied, too, because he said he was going on a, w- a recommendation from the waitress. But now right. here's the waitress saying, isn't this a weird order? 
Well, Spencer is just, she's just kind of casually looking at the beer, and she's like probably going to tear at the label when she sees something, something that just jars her. We Eyes cut, go super wide, yeah. We cut back to her version of Allison's story. Over Only this time, there is no shadowed blur person with like Spencer's voice. It's Ezra's voice. We hear Allison start up again. So what do you think about my stories? And Ezra says, you have a very strong voice. Do you want to just, re- do you have the whole dialogue? We can just do uh, this? I think I have most of it, yeah. All right. I'll be Ezra, you be Allison. Oh, perfect. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you think about my stories? You have a very strong voice. But? But nothing. It's just going to get more distinctive as you grow up. Grow up? You know what I mean. More mature. Oh, so you don't think I'm mature enough? No, I never said that. I just think that all great literature boils down to two themes. Love and death. Whatever. I don't know why I'm taking advice from someone who doesn't even know how to order. Who eats boysenberry pie with beer? Don't knock it till you try it. I should write a story about you. Maybe I'll even write one about this moment right now. And then she leans in and they kiss. And it's very interesting. It's a replay of that same bit we got earlier, only now Ezra is there. It still has a kind of hazy quality that well, flashbacks have. but Yeah, I mean, it's... It, well, it's just, it's in shadow. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it's villainous. It's terrifying. Oh, it's like a blurry like, vignette around them, yeah. Yeah, they, they don't want to make it quite real, though. They want to hint at it, but it's like all the true love Ezria fanatics. Yeah, because then we come back to Spencer. Her eyes are kind of fear, fearful, uncertain. The beer she's holding, what what made her finally put this all together, that beer is called Board Shorts Ale. Oh, shit! Baja's finest. Ezra is Board Shorts. So, oh, shit. What's funny is that in a deleted scene from this episode, after Ezra left the pub, he then went back to his dorm at Hollis uh, while Handcover's Bruise was playing, mm-hmm. and he got drunk, and he started blogging, and he accidentally created Facebook. I believe he, he actually created website page. Website page, which somehow comparing women to farm animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so meanwhile, Rosen High after dark, we pan through the darkened hall, empty, darkened, empty hallway. Uh, oh, see... just br- brief point before we get into that. Lots of debate over like who is board shorts, who is beach hottie. I feel like this confirms Ezra's board shorts, but not beach hottie. I am of the opinion that beach hottie and board shorts, two different people. I think Wilden was beach hottie. That well, makes the most sense to me. Do you remember what your theory was at the time of this episode aired? No. Your theory that you posited to me several times was that, yes, we're supposed to, you know, on the surface think Ezra's villainous. He's doing something nefarious. He's bored shorts. That's somehow got negative mm-hmm. connotations. But your theory was that Ezra was actually also on the trail. He was following the journal himself. Yeah, that's right. I remember and that, that. He was going through the motions. Whoever was in the journal ordered boysenberry pie and beer. So thus he ordered it to try to, I don't know, re-experience I remember that theory, yeah. And I, and I, at this point, you know, my, my one thing where I chimed in was like, Ren! It's gotta be Ren! It's obviously Ren, right? Yeah, well, cause Ren would go to an English bar called the, the Heart and the Huntsman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember some, that. Some, I, I, I still I maintain that theory Ren's, could be correct. Ren's also the one wearing board shorts in the pilot. Um, mm-hmm. so cut to these dark and deadly hallways. Uh, there's one of those like electric readout signs that gives you info on the oh, this, hallway. This is an interesting shot because the camera, it starts like, uh, just kind of lingering through the hallway. You know, it's like, it's all dark and it kind of pans down. We see the, the LED light board mm-hmm. and then it like pans over from that into the copy room. And then we see, cause we've been hearing this weird whirring noise the whole time. We see 
Emily's making copies in there, but the way the camera kind of moves around on its own and that is very interesting. Well, PLO, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, I think, um, both good and bad. They're very good with their limitations. They know mm-hmm. how to set up, like, this is all the hallway we have. So we're going to make, we're going to pan through it here. Well, and they really you... use all of it. In yeah, this and next they sequence. do. They use the help. Well, for example, that one a few episodes ago where uh, Ezra's moving around the courtyard watching the girls. Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. that was, a, to me, that was like the first time they really used the totality of that set, you know, really like, like traversed all of it. Um, but yeah, so we see that in the hallways, you know, up above the doorways, they have some of those electronic readout things that give you info. For example, this one says there's a library fundraiser at the Aperos Grill. We hear that cop machine going, um, the one that Andrew and Spencer were in earlier. For some reason, Emily is there, not only after school, but <laughs> in the darkened, empty school, <laughs> making copies, making for, copies. Mis- for Mr. Fitz's spring play. This is a little early. Yeah. And then, of course, because she's surrounded by ambient noises. Uh, she hears a noise off in the distance. Kind of sounds like a door slamming, like yeah. somewhere else in the building. Mm-hmm. She pauses, goes outside. Mr. Fitz? Uh, no one answers. She hears some more weird noises, like maybe more doors being closed. We see that the sign has changed to say, show your colors. And, and multicolors, yeah. And Emily's like, Mr. Fitz, is that you? No, you dumb bitch. It's not Mr. Fitz. Uh, so there's no answer. So she goes back to the copy room, like gets her shit. She's going to leave. This uh, uh this whole sequence has definitely the feeling that Emily is not the final girl in this horror movie. <laughs> yeah, you kind of get that vibe. She goes uh, back to Ezra's classroom and like puts all the papers she was copying on his desk. I wanted to like write a note, just like "fuck you." Why did I have to do this now? <laughs> and then the the door in the front of the class, of course, closes on its own, mm-hmm. and Emily approaches cautiously. And the, nice use of the set here, where she's looking out the window. And we're we're looking in at her, like outside the classroom, like looking into the classroom. Uh, she's kind of cautiously peering around. Uh, doesn't see anything, so she goes back to Ezra's desk and grabs her binders and pulls out her phone. And just as she starts to dial, like static erupts from the loudspeaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of like a PA system for the school. And then insane, like death metal music starts blasting, as like somebody says, "Like vengeance is mine." Well, because this is a song called V for Vengeance by Uriah. Oh. All right. And there's, you know, the whole like death metal, like, you know, like that. Yeah. So it's like well, some, some, some tapping sounds like some, some crazy soloing. Was there tapping? It seemed like wow. there was a little bit of a pseudo tapping. I mean, it's not like Eddie Vedder esque. I mean, there's I mean, definitely uh, like Eddie the Metallica esque, like double bass going on there. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of just, like, metal wankery. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like some metal fans going to write us now and be like, that was not death metal. <laughs> that was, the, you know how metal fans are. Let's, let's be real. Our favorite metal band is Blind Guardian. Mm-hmm. Because it's sure. Lord of the Rings core. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Emily manages to finish dial and she's like, dad, dad, are you there? I need you to come to school and pick me up. And right now you think she's leaving a message, but she's actually not. Uh, is she actually it, talking to him? Yeah, yeah, she is, because she gets out in the hallway. I and thought she le- said, when you get this. No, 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 I... Okay. Oh, wait, no, she does later. Okay, I was wrong. Yeah. It's, like, much later, she says, when you get this message. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so she goes out into the hallway. The lights start to flicker, and she turns around, and that light board that was talking about, you know, like, the Apple Rose Grill and library charities and whatnot earlier, 
suddenly in blood red reads, Act, Act normal, normal, bitch. One of the finest moments of PLL is that. Well, this is this is everyone's favorite a catchphrase now. <laughs> oh, Emily, you're about to die for failure to act normal. Oh yeah, I love that. Um, so she's screaming to the whistle that Mr. Fitz is not here, and I'm by myself. I need you to pick me up. Yeah. Well, she keeps oh. on like turning around, like she's headed that way, and it's like act normal, bitch. And she's like, nope, going the other way. Well, she goes down a hallway, but like a shadow passes over the path in front of her. So she goes back in the copy room, pulls down the curtain, shuts the door, locks it. She's telling her dad that she's just in the back hallway. Um, yeah, please come to school and pick me up immediately. I'm here. I'm in the back hall. Um, so in the dentist's office, Hannah wakes up slowly in the chair. We can hear the, I love that the, there's a sound of like a car alarm in the distance. Yeah. It, well, we just hear an alarm. We don't know what it is, but then we hear somebody like shut it off. It's just a car alarm. Yeah. She sits up, she kind of touches her cheek and winces. Groggy, yeah. There's blood on her lips. First she tastes it, and then she kind of wipes it away with her finger and looks at it, and it's like, oh shit. Yeah, blood in the corner of her mouth. Um, she opens, she realizes something is very wrong. <laughs> very wrong. <laughs> opens her purse. The papers are gone. Oh shit. Uh, someone is, someone stole all the sign in sheets. She doesn't have them. Yeah. After operating in her mouth. Yeah, the copy room, uh, the metal music is still blaring. Emily's trying to get the window open so she can crawl out, but she can't really get it open. The well, lights we- are flickering. We even get like some exterior shots now where she's rolled up the blinds of the cock room. She's looking outside, trying to get the, the uh, window open there, but it won't really budge. And cool audio mix where we can, we can kind of hear her outside, but not very well. But like, in a way that you can recognize as her sound is not carrying to the street mm-hmm. below. Um, this, it's very horror movie ass. It's, it's almost on the verge of something you'd see like in a Dario Argento movie. Um, the lights keep flickering, which to me that was like, of all the things that A is doing here, this weird like mm-hmm. thought experiment slash art installation that, that A is putting on. How do you get the lights to flicker so terribly? I don't know. Are you just like, like, like jumping up and down on the switch <laughs> or like cutting the wire? I don't know. So. The music then, she she's moved a table in front of the door. She's put boxes on top of it. The music's turned into like this weird static. Um, yeah, it cuts out to like just like static on the loudspeaker. Outside the window, she can see her dad's car pull up. She's screaming out to him, but again, she, he's not going to be able to hear her. From the silhouette in the door curtain, we can see that somebody in a hood is now trying to get into the copy room. Um, so we see at the front of the school, uh, Wayne Fields has got out of the car. He sees Emily's bike on the bike rack. The front doors are locked. He's pounding on them. So he starts like power walking around to the side of the school. Yeah. And Emily's still screaming from the window. A starts pounding, trying to get in. So Emily picks up like a big, heavy hole puncher and breaks the window and screams well, to her dad for help. Well, at this point, the door is unlocked or whatever. Now A is just trying to push the weight of the table away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like this like constant like, like pounding sound. She's like, "Dad, Dad, I'm up here. Dad, come on, Dad." And Wayne's just like, "I'm coming, baby." And then like action, <laughs> Wayne. He he like climbs up the side of the school like he's Spider Man. He starts climbing up some pipes. This like is like Spider-Man. total man of action. Like yeah. I feel like this actor was waiting for so long to like show it off, and and now he can. He just he like goes just... right up to some drainage pipes and just starts like climbing them. I, can you just imagine the conversation where this actor like takes I Marlene King aside, just the you know that that conversation like the season before where the actor <laughs> has to explain to the showrunner like you know I can do things. I mean I can do things. Um. So yeah, Emily, I, I kind of hate this because Emily's just yelling at him for. for yeah, him she's for just screaming. You have to get me out. Yeah. You so know, A's still panicking. Get the door. me out of here. There's someone in here. Yeah. So he, she tells her dad to hurry. He climbs up the second floor, crawls over, manages the windows open. This is kind of amazing since he has like 
nothing to stand on. Well, yeah, so he, he manages to get that window open, even though he has no leverage at all, and he's exactly. like lifting from a weird position. Exactly. He should have just fallen to his death at this like, point. What is he, is he even standing on anything, or is he like leaning on his elbows and somehow leveraging? Like, I don't even know. I do not think it's physically possible to do that. Oh, he is, he is a, okay, he is on top of like a lower window, like a But that ledge would not be big enough to like really support your feet. Yeah, but hey, the, that's why he's got the guns, you know? He opens that window right up i guess the pennsylvania national guard probably has these very exact like you know trials and this is uh, what he's been training for yeah all his life um so he helps emily out she starts like crawling down the pipes with him just as a gets in the copy room there's this great shot as a gets to the window and we're below the very cool shot yeah as a just slightly peers over the edge to see them getting away it's like we're below the window like staring up at the facade of the building and then A's, like, first we just see A's hands, like, kind of come over the, the sill and grip it. Mm. And then just, like, that dark, you know, like, can't see anything. It's just, like, a black shadow. It's, like, hood. this black void where the, yeah. the face should be. Yeah. Um. So, outside, Emily and Wayne, you know, drop off the pipes onto this, like, giant air conditioner or something. Emily's walking away for her. She's apologizing, saying she shouldn't have panicked when the lights went out, blah, blah, blah. Behind her, Wayne grips his <laughs> chest in pain and collapses. Well, he's like, kind of like, he looks a little winded at first, and then he just kind of like, you see him kind of collapse behind him. And Emily turns around and like, ah, you know, man down. Yeah, starts uh, dialing 911. So, short time later, we come back from commercial break, looking at the flashing lights of an ambulance outside the school. Wayne is, like, on a gurney with, like, the breathing thing in his nose. Um, Emily wants to call Pam again. Wayne says they can do it when they get to the hospital. Emily thinks this is all her fault. He's like, no, listen. You were locked in the room. The lights went out. I can understand why you panicked. Which makes her sound crazy. Wayne knows all about, like, PTSD from his warrior days. But, I mean, it makes her sound crazy. Like, if Don't the power went want... on right now and you started freaking out, and I'm, like, <laughs> totally normal. I really want, like... Wayne feels to start telling like these really horrific and grisly war stories. Like every time he has to like impart a life lesson on Emily. But the the gunner who's got his head blown off right in front of Wayne. Exactly. He was a funny guy. Nothing funny about what happened to him though. So Emily is just like, I don't know how much more of this I can take. And he says, Princess, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to worry about me. She's like, Tell me what? What's going on? Uh, we find out he didn't just come home to check up on Emily and her mom. Uh, he had some tests done. Didn't want them done at the base. And she's like, what's wrong? Are you sick? And he says, we don't have the results back yet. It's my heart. It's not. It's just stress. I'll get it under control. The patriarchy can't have a heart condition. And she's like, you have something wrong with your heart? Why would you keep this from me? He says, because I ain't going anywhere. Do you hear me? You're stuck with me for the long haul, kid. He's basically saying, because you're a frail little girl <laughs> who can't handle real world facts. And the writers are saying, now we can kill you anytime we want to, Wainfields. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the, the fucking head cutoff thing is like right above his head. I'm, the guillotine, sorry. is right yeah. above his head waiting to come down. So she hugs him. Check off bad heart. Yeah. As she does, she looks up at the window that she had to break out of. And I want them just... to cut straight from this to Wayne's funeral. <laughs> like Godzilla style. Yeah. Um, instead, well, she's just like crying more, and he's holding her, and she's just completely losing it. It's yeah. like you didn't think Emily could lose it any more than she already has, but yet she finds a way. Is that is that on the blackboard at the start of each season, the writers' room? How can Emily lose it even more? <laughs> yeah. Um. So they cut to that establishing shot of Rosewood at night. When we're we're inside Arya's house, Arya and Emily come inside. Emily thinks that Arya should just take her back, uh, 
presumably Arya picked up Emily from the hospital, and Arya says, your mom's right. You don't want to sleep in a hospital room. Your dad's in great hands. Your mom is with him. And Emily's like, A almost killed him tonight. <laughs> Arya says, yeah, but A couldn't have known that your dad. And Emily cuts her off and says, you don't know that, okay? He almost died trying to save me. From who? We're still not any closer to figuring out who this animal is. It's like, well, isn't that because you told everyone to back off, Emily? Just yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. I like how A would like somehow know that uh, Wayne Fields has a heart condition. And so like set a. up a whole scenario to get Wayne Fields to exert himself. Somehow Dr. Vargas ended up consulting of A on Emily's x-rays. <laughs> Emily's just like, I've got to get a new fucking doctor. As Almost as if, I don't know, somehow uh, Ren is A because he's somehow in the medical industry, even though. Oh, yeah, there you go. Even though he's like a neuroscientist who then becomes like a psychologist, a doctor in quotes, Ren Kingston. Yeah, so they both sign. Then a shadow passes by the window and Emily's kind of alarmed, but Arya clearly isn't. And Emily's like, what? Who is it? Well, Arya is more scared to tell her that it's <laughs> Spencer than it, that it might be A. Yeah, she's like, it's Spencer. I texted her about your dad. So Emily gives her a look that's just like, so it's treason then. Well, it's like she doesn't know whether or not to be pissed. And Arya answers the door, and Spencer approaches very meekly. He's looking pale, a little sickly, those red-rimmed eyes, like messy ponytail. Mm-hmm. And she says, please don't send me away. Aw. <laughs> Emily gives, like, the slightest of nods as Spencer runs over and hugs her. And now they're friends again. I think Emily really needed this. Emily's like, bring it in, bitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. Emily and Spencer reunited. Um, Just then, <laughs> Hannah comes breezing in. Like, out of breath, yeah. Like, Thank Hannah- God. Hannah, the setout for everyone. Hannah is the the Blanche of the Golden Girls, right? <laughs> I mean, she's Rue McCallaghan. Um, she comes breezing in like she's just come off of a bender. She's had a hell of a day. Emily and Spencer are reunited, like hugging and swaying. And Arya can sense that something's wrong with Hannah. They ask what it is. And Hannah's like, well, I was at the dentist. And I think I got treated by A. <laughs> Spencer's like, what? You've been at the dentist this whole time? I thought your appointment was at 4.30. And Hannah says, yeah, I know. And I stole those appointment pages from that September. And Spencer's like, you got them? Show them to us. And Hannah's like, no, I don't have them. Look, when I woke up, I was in a dentist chair, and the lights are off, and my jaw hurt. I still feel like half of my lip is frozen. And Arya's like, wait a sec. You think the A froze you? The A stuck a needle in your gums? LOL. That's rather specific, Arya. Who said anything about a needle? Well, Hmm. I know it's just like the... The writers are, like, cluing us all in in case you somehow didn't get from, like, A, fondling Hannah's lips. But <laughs> it's still really funny coming out of her mouth, yeah. Well, I mean, how would she know that unless she was A? Hmm? Yeah. Where's Arya been this whole episode other than, like, roughing up Maggie? <laughs> Act normal, Maggie. Um, so Hannah's like, all I know is I feel like I've been chewing a sewing kit for the past hour. Emily looks, you know, horrified at this because I feel like right now Emily would look horrified at a PB and J sandwich. Um, mm-hmm. Emily thinks it's crazy. Emily asks if the group thinks that the same person who hunted her down at the school night spent the afternoon operating on Hannah. And Hannah's just like, oh my God. And then the greatest line in television history is uttered by Arya, who says, who is this monster? Which apparently they had to do this, like, I don't know, 75 takes or whatever. Like, oh, really? they kept the, well, I don't know if it was that many, but they had to keep doing this line over and over again because they couldn't get the inflection right and they were all giggling the whole time because it was like, you know, four in the morning at that point. Uh, I saw it was in some interview they did where, like, apparently this line is like impossible to get the, uh, the tone right because it, and they, they kept doing it all different ways where it'd be like, who is this monster? And who is this monster? And who is this monster? <laughs> 
they eventually settled on who is this monster david fincher came in to like added like another couple hundred takes mm-hmm. and then Kubrick came in to add like another couple like months of takes um fantastic line reading by Arya Spencer as soon as she says this looks over at her like eyes bugging out and then like the looks away again turn. like mm, not gonna say anything the sharpest turn of her head Spencer can't <laughs> tell her so Hannah asks if one of them will just please look inside of her mouth so we cut to Hannah's like laying on her back kind of uh her mouth's open Spencer is looking in there Emily's holding the flashlight Arya's like ready to hand off tweezer to Spencer. The arrangement's so perfectly PLL. Yeah. Because they're all like peering into Hannah's mouth. And it, and so Spencer is also, she's keeping quiet about the Ezra thing for now. Mm-hmm. Because she knows with Arya, you gotta go in with like a mountain of evidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, to tell her who this monster is, in fact. Um, so she apologizes to Hannah when she has a tweezer. She goes in, Hannah's in pain. The others are grimacing at Hannah's pain. Mm-hmm. Spencer pulls something out of Hannah's mouth with the tweezers. Hannah gasps and covers her mouth in horror so she's she sees what it is Arya's like what is that it turns out it's like a little scroll oh it's like maybe like an eighth of an inch long this tiny little thing uh and then it there's like a plastic sheath on it and we see spencer uses the tweezers to like pull this little like you know it's rolled up paper kind of like out of this plastic sheath that was apparently like did a like drill a hole into hannah's teeth and then put that in there i'm contemplating that it could be the uh the loose filling could be sure um so he knows her dentistry and <laughs> hannah's face like when she sees this thing come out of her is like pure terror and amazement like, well it's this... yeah like something out of like uh an old school like cronenberg movie reaction yeah um, you, you could see like like a lot of white above the tops of her uh irises there like that's how huge and wide her i eyes mean like are. her face you could freeze frame that and that could be the old style like horror movie poster for this episode mm-hmm. Who is this monster? A PLL movie. Um, so Spencer can't make out the words. So Emily goes and grabs the comically large magnifying glass off Byron's desk. Spencer holds it up and we see that it says, oh, and it's like, that was in my mouth. Yeah. We see that it says, I told you dead girls can't stop, can't smile. Stop looking. A. Oh, yeah. the liars are like, Oh, fuck. Nice callback to uh, S3E2. Emily got that tooth necklace that spelled yeah. out dead girls can't smile. And now A is saying, I told you. Dead girls can't smile. Stop looking. A. Well, it's it's reminding you that this A, if you have any kind of confusion with whatever Mona was doing, mm-hmm. provided that Mona is not A, this is the same person because Mona wasn't yeah, this, back then. So this is like I don't know the, the A prime or whatever you want to call them. A prime, Uber A, whatever they're saying. Yeah, whatever the kids are saying these days. Maybe um, it's Ezra. Maybe someone else. Although I don't think it could be. I mean, because it, it doesn't it kind of seem like there's at least two A's active right now. Like, could could A have gotten to Hannah and Emily at the same time? Like, that's a lot to do. Well, presumably Hannah's been out for a while. I my own feeling is that it will, but be... still, like Emily just came from the hospital. Like this, you know. My feeling is that there's probably actually like three entities at work here. Mm, mm. Um, but we can't really go into that right now. So we get the A tag where we see A is holding up those patient signing sheets from the dentist's office. The sheets are then fed into a shredder, um, which would make you think that this was incriminating evidence. Potentially, yes. Um, so the shredded material then goes into a tray that lines the cage of Tippy the bird. It's Tippy the bird. He's back. Who, oh, as we all know, is really A. Next level. Yeah. And Tippy the Bird says, hey, board shorts. Starts whistling that tune. Uh, yeah, that that same Tippy, phone number, it starts whistling again. On the wall behind Tippy, we see a map of Cape May. We see a spot circled of red ink that says Wilden Yacht. And yeah, in the Cape May Harbor one? there. 
there's another spot that's circled. Did you see that? Yeah, the Cape May Lighthouse is also circled, and next to it, it says number 1493, A and C. I really don't, I mean, Alley and CC? I don't know. I don't know what 1493 is supposed to mean. Well, it's the year after 1492. Yes, that's true. Um, so Tippy the Bird then says, miss me? And mm-hmm. yes, we did, Tippy. Yes, we oh, did. Oh, yeah. So that was the episode. Fun episode. The next episode is called Hot for Teacher, which, hey, wasn't the name of one of Allison's stories? Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was a fun one. Um, just some stuff at the end here. Uh, thanks to Nikki and Amanda for their comments on our website page. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikki really enjoyed the bit with uh, the bomb attached to Peter's briefcase. <laughs> also, uh, Kat Smitty left a comment on that Ecstasy of Gold recap video I did. She really liked it. And uh, Wendy on Twitter really likes the podcast as well. So thanks for hearing all from them. Uh, thank you, Hannah, for constantly checking in on this very episode that you're listening. Uh, thank you, Tori, for your great email. Um, uh, thank you, Miss A. Salvatore on the PLO Wiki. Thanks for the comment. Thanks for listening. Glad to hear you like Benjamin Light's Sean Ferris impression. I try to do it very accurately. Um, also, we just wanted to comment that there's been some very sad news from one of our favorite creators of the show, Norman Buckley, who uh, tragically lost his husband uh, this past week. Um, yeah, really sad. Really, really just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Norman Buckley's always been an incredibly great supporter of, like, just the PLO fans and the community. So it's it's hard to feel like you can't do something for, even though you, none of us know him really, but you know, he's always gone out of his way to be so nice to everyone, you know, as much as he can. Also, his husband, um, was involved with a lot of charities, which you can find out about on Norman's, you know, Tumblr. You can find about Twitter, you know, just because they're good charities or just to honor this man, go ahead and donate to them. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we, our, our goal was to kind of catch up with our podcasting to be able to do the Christmas episode right after it aired. Uh, the, the kind of problem with that plan is we didn't know when the Christmas episode was going to be airing. And depending on when it was, where there were, we're not going to be able to catch up in time. It's going to be on December 9th, which is unfortunately like a week sooner than we would have been able to catch up unless we did three, th- like three episodes every week, like from here on out, which, which we can't promise. We can do three occasionally. I don't think we can do three every week. So unfortunately, we're not going to make that. Uh, so our goal is we, we should be caught up in time to do an episode the week of Christmas. That would be the Christmas special episode, which will air like a week and a half before. That's our Christmas um, present to you. I mean, yeah, we're, you know, if we can do three a week, if it feels good, we'll do it. Um, we're not, I just don't think we're going to be able to do it like the next 10 weeks in a row. Yeah. Plus, the nice thing about that, if you think about it, is we don't know when 5B returns. Mm-hmm. So rather than us having our last episode, you know, the start of December, and then continuing to wait through the dry spell until 5B returns, you'll still get episodes from the podcast. Indeed. Yeah. So that is the plan. We'll keep plowing through, doing at least two weeks. And we'll be back next time. Talk about Hopper Teacher. See you then. Bye-bye.